Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Westside. It is good to be in your home with you. Um, Just right out of the gate, this message will be a little bit different today. Um, There's a word that has encapsulated my thoughts and my mind and my heart um, over this week, and it is the word weary. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the word weary as very tired, especially after you've been working hard or doing something for a long time. The etymology of the word comes from a German word that means to be tired from wandering. Isaiah chapter 40, um, the context is, is that the people of God, Israel, is in captivity. And they are not at home where they're at. And the prophet is speaking to them because they are weary where they live. And this week I sent a text message to my dad and said, I'm the weary man of Psalm 40. I am the exhausted young man of Psalm 40. From the news to everything that is taking place, I just find the word weary to be where I am. I'm weary of all of the sickness. 370,000 plus cases. I'm weary of that. I'm weary of the poverty of 20 million plus unemployed, 14.7% of an unemployment rate. I'm weary of that. I'm weary of quarantining and and the effects of, of mental health and the fact that suicide rates are up and that child abuse hotlines are up and that domestic abuse salts are up. I am weary of that. I am weary that we are not gathered as a church right now. I am weary that we had to change plans. But I think if I was to summarize all of it, I'm weary that I don't feel at home. I feel like Psalm, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 40, I feel like the people of God. And, and, and I've never understood the full bearing and the full weight of what Jesus says when he says that, that you are not of this world. 
And that when Peter writes in the New Testament to, to the sojourners and to the, to the aliens who are in exile. Or when, when John writes to the seven churches in Revelation who are dispersed. I feel weary of this world and, and the noise and everything that is taking place. And for the first time of being a follower of Jesus Christ, I feel like an orphan here. I feel weary because I don't feel at home socially. And here's what I mean by that. In light of, of recent events, just this week, I had the opportunity to sit down with some black pastors, chiefs of police, highway patrolmen, constitutional law professors, and then me, a Caucasian pastor, just to sit and just to listen to what was going on on both sides. I heard chiefs of police and highway patrolmen say that the officer that murdered George Floyd is a criminal that should have justice come bear on his life. I heard other officers say that. Then I heard African-American pastors say that they are weary that when their sons leave the house, that they keep their phone in their hand because they're weary for their life. And I'm weary of the fact that I'm saying this right now and some of you are sighing because you don't think that it affects your life. I am weary at that fact. I am weary of a context in which we live where we think that our faith has no bearance on the issues that are at hand. I am weary of that. I am weary of that as a young pastor that, that I preached a vision of that this church will be a church socially that will have Democrats and Republicans and white and black and many people from many socioeconomic backgrounds. But from now what I see from social media posts, I see that there's a snapping in the tension that we say amen to a vision like that until the times rise and it comes to bear upon our life. As one famous preacher said, in moments of tension, we often seek security and not truth. And in moments when we need truth to come to bear on our life, I find even myself wanting to run to comfort and security and not truth. I'm weary that I feel I don't have a home socially. I am weary that I do not have a home politically. I am weary that when, when I say that I am pro-life, and it has nothing to do with Roe v. Wade, but it has everything to do with with when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. That, that, that John was filled with the spirit in Elizabeth's womb and wept, and I'm sorry, leapt when he was in the presence of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. 
that it has nothing to do with anything theological or politically, but it has everything to do with it being theological. But when I say that I am pro-life and I hear certain amens from a certain corner, but at the same time when I say the death of George Floyd is a pro-life issue, there's silence in that part of the room. I am weary when I say that I am pro-life for babies. And I hear certain amens from a certain corner. But when I say I am pro-life for babies that are washing up dead on the shores of the soil in the country that I live, there is silence in that part of the corner of the amen section. I am weary of not having a home politically because for some reason we have forgotten our Protestant faith. Protestant. We are protestant. The heritage of our faith comes from when there was a protest of a heresy in a church and there was thunder that was nailed to the Wittenberg door. We come from a heritage that speaks truth to positions of power. For when the prophet Nathan comes to King David and says, you are the man of adultery in that parable and the judgment of God will come upon your house. Or when the apostle John sits out, I'm sorry, John the Baptist sits outside Herod's palace and preaches truth to power and then gets his head cut off for it. I am weary that when I say that when the President of the United States held a Bible in his hand for propaganda, that he rung my bell and now entered me into the conversation. Because our God will not be mocked. And the church of Jesus Christ will not be prostituted for votes And just if you think that I'm being hard on one side, when Nancy Pelosi found that out and grabbed her Bible and read from it in front of the cameras, that was just as damnable. Because for us as followers of Jesus Christ, there is no allegiance to a donkey or to an elephant. But what we say is we say that our allegiance is to the Lamb of God. That is to where our allegiance lies. And in this current climate, when cities are burning and when bipartisan is at a hundred, I am weary that I do not have a political home. I am weary of that fact. I am weary of when I speak up for issues, it is bigoted. And I am weary that when I speak up for issues, it is considered liberal and progressive. I am weary of those terms. I am so weary. But I think recently in my life, I've become to find that I'm weary that I don't have a home theologically. That when I find out some of my great heroes like George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, who my reformed brothers love and admire, also own slaves. Dear brothers and sisters, what do we do with this this complicated heritage in which we are handed? Because if there's anything that these times require of us is honesty. And I am so weary. I am so weary of hypocrisy. 
I am exhausted from the fact that we say that we want one thing like a sanctity of marriage, but those same people are on their third marriage. I am weary of those types of things. And I echo Jeremiah that it is like fire in my bones and I cannot hold it in anymore. You see, when it comes to theology, we have a thing called orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Orthodoxy is right views of God. It is right doctrine. And I feel a pull in my life that there has to be this a certain way. And it's this, it's truth, it's truth, it's truth. But then orthopraxy is the way in which we live out our doctrine. And those brothers and sisters, the pull there is, is grace, is grace, is grace. So when I speak up and say truth, there are people who no doubtedly are hearing this right now and saying, but Jason, where's the grace? And then when I start speaking about social issues and how our theology has an impact on that, there are people who are saying, yeah, it's love, but it's also truth. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ came in full of grace and truth. Because you see, truth without grace is brutality. And some of us in our relationships hold truth like a baseball bat. But grace without truth is hypocrisy. You see, what we need is we need Jesus Christ. And I've said this all the time here at Westside. And in the current state of affairs and the current climate, I am bearing these questions down upon us. And I don't want to solve the tension. And maybe it's questions that you've never asked yourself before. And maybe it makes you feel afraid. And I understand that. Because we love comfort and we love peace and we love when our life makes sense. But we worship a brown-skinned man who was murdered by a state-sanctioned murder. That has to affect the way in which we live now in light of this climate. And when I see violence... And I see hate and I see words like dominance. It makes me angry to my soul because that is not the way of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who stood before the most powerful man in his day. And Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of this kingdom? And Jesus Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world because if it was, my followers would have taken it by force. But it is not. What the world needs is not another example of power, but what the world needs is another powerful example of love, full of grace and truth. I am weary I am weary as a pastor in 2020. I am weary as a parent in 2020 who has to have conversations with his eight-year-old son who asked the question, but dad, that's a police officer. 
I'm weary as a parent of having a conversation when I ask, what do you think racism is? And they say it's when you run fast. I am weary of what it is to be a married man in 2020 and the wake and devastation of divorce that is all around me. Of people hitting the eject button. People that were supposed to lead my generation and be the example bailed. And I am weary of that fact. But brothers and sisters, we are not without hope. For we are weary. Yes, we are weary. But my whole life right now depends on verse 31 in three letters. Verse 31, but even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but God, it's just my whole faith is summed up in three letters, but, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You see, listen, this is all I got. This is the only word that God has given me in this season. And it's what's getting me out of bed. And it's what's getting me going. And it's this. I am weary, but I will worship. I am weary, but I will worship. And Isaiah 40 gives me some reasons as to how I can worship. I am weary, but I'll worship because God doesn't grow weary. It says it right there. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That listen, that no matter what's going on in the endless amount of media and the endless amount of social media and all of these things that are taking place and we seem so weary and so tired, our God... Our God is not weary, for he is still at work. And that's the second thing that I am weary, but I worship a God that's still working. And what's this God doing? This God is giving strength to those who feel exhausted. He's giving peace to those. He says that, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. By the way, the word weary, Isaiah uses weary more than any other prophet, any other book in the Bible. He uses it 12 times. By the very definition of the word weary, weary requires you to be working. Do you understand that? So for those of you that are like, I just don't know the tension right now. I'm not really weary. I just think, uh, you know, what, um, that's concerning to me because that's evidence that you're not in the game. See, the only way that you can be weary is because you are working. And God never grows weary of that. But he's always breaking through. The kingdom of God is happening. Yes, yes. And he will not stop. And the last thing that gives me hope is this, that I am weary, but I will worship Because my God will come again. You see, the very beginning of this chapter, 
is the very famous passage, make way for the Lord. Prepare a voice crying out in the wilderness. And we see that it says he gives power to the faint. And then it says, but they who wait for the Lord. Wait, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for God to come. You see, this is the Old Testament prophecy of the arrival of Jesus Christ with the foreshadow of John the Baptist. But we live in the same tension that Isaiah 40 was written in. For Jesus Christ has come. And listen to me, dear friends. Jesus Christ comes as a lamb one time. One time. For the Bible tells us that when he comes, he will come as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he will judge all the nations. That he will judge all the nations. And that the justice that we all long for, that he will implement. So what does this look like for us now? You see, I think us waiting is not passive, but it's active. It's active. You see, Jesus gave us a trademark. And I believe that, listen, no matter Democrat, Republic, no matter white, no matter black, there is something that Jesus has given us that he said the whole world, when they see it, when the whole world sees that, they'll know that you are my disciples. He says, a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Love one another. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And what does love look like for us now? I think love looks like for us now, love looks like listening. Love looks like listening. Love looks like being a white person in 2020 and not realizing and not having any idea what a person of color goes through and simply asking this question, what's it like? And then just listen. What does it look like to be, have someone who's a Democrat or Republican or the opposite party of you and to simply ask a question, hey, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know you not on a Facebook post and, and arguing and all of these type of things, but rather messaging and then meeting and having a face-to-face -face conversation. What does it look like? Love looks like listening right now. And Westside family, I believe. God, I believe it in my bones and I've believed it since day one at this church. That this church would always be a place where diversity was able to thrive. Where people from different political backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, people who were divorced, people who were remarried, people who were able to come and pass through the blood of Jesus Christ to be a member of this body. I think that we have a choice.
I think that we have a choice before us in the days ahead and weeks to come that Westside can usher in the kingdom of God in Popper Bluff as it is in heaven by the way in which we love one another. On April 4th, 1968, when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, Bobby Kennedy was in Indianapolis. He had just gotten the news before he was to give a speech at a rally. The police told Bobby that if he announced the assassination of Dr. King, that there would be no way that they could prevent riots and there would be no way that they could offer him protection. And standing on the back of a truck bed in Indianapolis, there's a monument that still stands in the very spot where Bobby Kennedy spoke these words today. Bobby said these words. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice for his fellow human beings. And he died because of that effort. In this difficult day and in this difficult time for the United States, it is perhaps well to ask what kind of nation we are and what direction we want to move in. For those of you who are black, considering the evidence that evidently it is that there were white people who were responsible you can be filled with bitterness and with hatred and a desire for revenge. We can move in that direction as a country in greater polarization. Black people amongst black people, white people amongst white people, filled with hatred toward one another. Or we can make an effort, as Dr. Martin Luther King did, to understand and to comprehend and to replace that violence, that stain of bloodshed that has spread across our land with an effort to understand with compassion and love. For those of you who are black and are tempted to be filled with hatred and distrust at the injustice of such an act against all white people, I can only say that I feel in my own heart the same kind of feeling because I had a member of my family killed, but he was killed by a white man. We have to make an effort in the United States. We have to make an effort to understand and to go beyond these rather difficult times. My favorite poet was an Aeschylus. He wrote that in our sleep, pain which cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own despair against our will comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence or lawlessness, but love and wisdom and compassion toward one another and a feeling of justice towards those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or black. And I say today that that only happens through the power and through the blood of Jesus Christ. Many of us are weary and yes, we are weary, but we will worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day 
our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.